They come out at night. Some have fangs, some stingers, some crawl, some fly. They can be hairy, scary, and just plain creepy. But they're also remarkable creations of God. So what's so special about creepy nocturnal creatures? Stay tuned. They regurgitate their digestive juices onto the prey and then slurp up the digested food. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Every night, out in the darkness, they come. They fly, creep, crawl, and scurry. They are the creatures of the night that many of us find scary or repulsive. Yet they are a fascinating part of what was God's very good creation in the beginning. What unique abilities did the Creator place into these frightening rulers of the night? Don't creep away. Stay with us for the next 15 minutes as we learn about some incredible nocturnal creatures. Psalm 104.20 says, Thou makest darkness, and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. ICR Museum curator Cindy Carlson tells us about one creepy beast that seems to strike fear into the hearts of just about everybody. Well, most people think spiders are creepy. And when it's a great big hairy spider, then it's really creepy. Tarantulas are big, hairy spiders, and many people think that the bite of a tarantula will kill them. The truth is that tarantulas are mild creatures that avoid human contact. Their bites are no worse than a wasp sting unless someone has an allergic reaction. Besides biting, tarantulas have other means of defending themselves when provoked. The most dangerous thing about a tarantula is that it will flick tiny hairs out of its abdomen at you, and they're like fiberglass, and they embed themselves in your skin and can cause quite an infection, especially if you get it in your eyes or in your lungs. These are called urticating hairs, which just really means irritating hairs. And these terrifying arachnids come in all different sizes. They can be just a couple inches across or as big as a dinner plate. The Goliath tarantula of South America has a leg span of 11 inches, and it will eat frogs, small snakes, and young birds pulled from their nests. But that's why these particular tarantulas are called bird-eating spiders. Also, the way they eat is unusual. They don't have teeth to chew, of course, so they regurgitate their digestive juices onto the prey and then slurp up the digested food. Yummy. Even though some may consider tarantulas to be the stuff of nightmares, they were wonderfully designed by the Creator in the beginning. In fact, according to evolutionary dating of tarantula fossils, this creepy nocturnal creature hasn't had a makeover in hundreds of millions of years. The fossil record has lots of spiders in it, especially in amber which is fossilized tree sap. The most ancient tarantula is found in strata that is supposed to be 300 million years old. And it looks just like a tarantula, which is what creationists would expect with a young earth and most strata laid down by the Genesis flood just a few thousand years ago. Cindy Carlson also tells us about the next scary night creature we'll be looking at. This arachnid has a very unique design. Another creepy critter is the scorpion, the symbol of the desert. Actually, scorpions live all over the world except Antarctica, and they live in temperate forest and tropical forests. 
Scorpions don't bite, of course. They sting with the whip of their tail. Again, most scorpions are not that harmful. Their sting is like a wasp sting. However, 25 out of the 1,500 species of scorpions can cause human death. Like tarantulas, scorpions also vary in size and are prey as well as predators. Scorpions range in size from a half inch to a giant specimen in India that can reach 11 inches. You might be surprised to hear that scorpions have a huge number of predators. All kinds of animals think scorpions are good eating. Baboons, meerkats, owls, monkeys, mongooses, reptiles and amphibians, birds, spiders and other scorpions, and even humans. And by the way, humans eat tarantulas too. Just as tarantulas are found fully formed in the fossil record, scorpions too remain unchanged in their tombs of stone. Scorpions are found in the fossil record in strata dated in evolutionary terms to about 400 million years ago. They are so unchanged that people refer to them as a living fossil. Again, that is what creationists would expect. And with a young earth and the worldwide flood of Genesis, we should find many animals, plants, and insects basically unchanged from what we find today. And that is what we find. Although tarantulas and scorpions mostly do their creeping outdoors, there is a creepy nocturnal creature that prefers being inside, especially when it's time for you to go to sleep. We find out from Dr. Job Martin of the Incredible Creatures That Defy Evolution video series that the old saying, good night, sleep tight, don't let the bed bugs bite, is in fact a warning that merits our attention. There's a lot of uh, people now that are confronting bed bug bites, but they never get to see the bed bugs. They're a little bug, about a quarter inch, three-eighths inch long, and they're kind of oval in shape and flat. They almost look like a little tick until they're gorged with blood. But in between the sheets is not the only place that bed bugs wait to feed upon humans. They come out at night and they bite people. And they, they're in homes, but they're also in uh, restaurants and movie theaters and college dorms. So you can pick them up in airplanes, hotels, cruise ships. They seem to be masters at, at hiding in the daylight and then coming out at night. And the bite, some, many times the bite is confused with a mosquito bite. It's a red and itchy welt. And the female uh, lays maybe 500 eggs a year, and they can live in certain situations up to five years. And the infestations are really difficult to get rid of. Perhaps the most popular and most frighteningly creepy nocturnal creature is the one that dominates Halloween and old horror movies. While most people wouldn't consider the bat their favorite animal, Jeff Laborda, professor of biology at Manatee Community College in Florida, does. They're uh, classified in an order of animals called the Chiroptera. And uh, Chiroptera means hand wing. And uh, certainly because their front two appendages or their front two arms are in the form of a wing. And the Chiropterans are divided up into really just two groups the little bats, the microchiropteran, and the large megachiropteran groups. So the megachiropterans, you've probably heard them referred to before as flying foxes. 
And they're called that because they have really cute little fox-like faces. And bats come in a variety of sizes. The smallest mammal in the world, some would say, is the bumblebee bat. It's found in Thailand. And it weighs less than a penny and is only about 11 millimeters in length. So a really small little animal. On the other extreme, some of the flying foxes of the old world have wingspans that are up to about six feet across, so quite large. Out of the 1,100 species of bats worldwide, 46 live in the United States and Canada. Some members of the Mexican free-tailed bat species have made themselves at home deep in the heart of Texas. An interesting point is the largest single group or colony of bats is found in Texas, right here in the United States, near San Antonio, in a cave called Bracken Cave. And it has somewhere around 20 million, maybe as much as 40 million, some have estimated, insect-eating bats called the Mexican free-tailed bats. And uh, they're really a cool bat, uh, not all that big, with a wingspan maybe of about uh, 10 or 12 inches, if that. If you stay in Texas and you go about 100 miles north in Austin, there's another colony or group of bats, also Mexican free tails, that are about one and a half million in number. And they live underneath the Congress Avenue Bridge. And these bridge-dwelling bats are one of the biggest tourist attractions in Texas. People go there and they hang out on the bridge and watch the bats come out in the evening. Others take boat rides. They actually pay to go on a ferry boat and go down the river and look at the bats as they come out. They have little restaurants and cafes along the river that you can sit at and eat while you watch the bats emerge. It's really quite an amazing sight. Besides fascinating people as they emerge at dusk for their evening adventure, what real purpose do these bats serve? As Jeff Laborda explains, they are natural-born pest control agents. Insect eaters worldwide play a really critical role in keeping populations of night-flying insects in balance. Just one individual insect-eating bat can catch hundreds. Some have estimated 500 to 600 insects per hour, depending on the size of the insects. And that's an incredible number. Many of these insects that they feed on include moth species and beetles that cost American farmers and foresters billions of dollars annually. Not to mention some of these bats eat mosquitoes as well, which, of course, we don't like and would like to get rid of. So uh, economically, they're very, very important to us from that perspective. And bats are no friend to evolutionists because they appear in the fossil record fully formed as bats. The oldest bats that we find in the fossil record from an evolutionary perspective date back about 54 million years to the uh, paleogene or tertiary period. Even one of the biologists at Bat Conservation International points out, he says, surprisingly, the bats of that, quote, ancient period were closely or very closely resemble those bats that we see today. And, uh, of course, that's exactly what we would expect from a creation viewpoint or creation perspective that these animals appeared because they were created and they appear fully formed and fully functional and uh, ready to go. And uh, It's difficult to see anything different than that in the fossil record or to explain it from any evolutionary method or, or model. When speaking of creepy creatures that come out at night to seek their prey, Dr. Martin is reminded of how some people will use the darkness of night to commit sin against God. There's people that come out at night and do kind of creepy things in the darkness. It's like in John chapter 3, verse 9, it says, And this is the condemnation, 
that light is come into the world, it's talking about the Lord Jesus, and men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds are evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But no one can hide from God, as he sees the same both in the light and in darkness. So some people think they can kind of creep around and nocturnally at night and do evil deeds. And God says, no, I see those deeds. But the thing of it is, he loves everyone. And that he is not willing for any to perish. And so even though people are sometimes like nocturnal animals that come out and, and hunt down their prey at night. I think God says, well, I know what you do. I know how you are. I know that you sneak around in the darkness and you love the darkness better than the light, but I love you and I want you to come to the light. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.